On this episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, we preview the 2021 Maryland baseball season and we sit down with 2021 opening day starter Sean Burke to discuss his offseason and his development to become the opening day starter. Here we go. This is the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Levine and Ben Curtis. Welcome everybody to the 79th episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Matt Levine and Ben Curtis with you now as the two co-directors of broadcasting and media for MBN this season. We're very excited to take this thing over with what Zach left us, but unfortunately he's leaving us with a, a truncated season a little bit, but we'll do our best to kind of pave the way of, of what's, what, what the next couple months will look like. We have no idea, Ben, but how are you doing? Yeah, excited to, excited to be here, Matt. Excited to get the season going. Obviously, we wish that we weren't doing this podcast and so much still over Zoom, but uh, going to be a really exciting season of baseball. I think this is a season for Maryland where optimism is really the key word, and we'll talk a bit more about what the season will look like and, and the reason why a lot of people are really high on this Maryland baseball team. But, you know, obviously we wish that we could be uh, in person together, Matt, we wish that we could be down in South Carolina with the team this weekend, but still good to be talking about Maryland baseball. Anytime you get to talk about Maryland baseball, it's a good time. Exactly. And you mentioned optimism is kind of the key word for this season. And that's what it was last year when the team left off with a 10 and five record flying to TCU to play that series and having gotten word that the season was shut down by the Big Ten Conference on March 12th which is about a year ago now, which almost seems kind of crazy to think about based on where we are in the world still. But that, they, were, they were looking good, pretty good last year, going into the final week of, of – it was spring break, the final week of non-conference play, looking up the Big Ten play, and everything kind of just came down to a halt. Yeah, they had that, that great weekend against Bryant, uh, the, week, the last weekend of baseball that season. They won all three games. Um, they scored double digits twice. They had a double digit margin of victory twice. They had that tough loss against James Madison and what ended up being their last game of the season. And then, like you said, Matt, it was just kind of twilight zone uh, with, with everything shutting down one thing after another and quickly realizing that, hey, we weren't going to have any more baseball to play that year. But we got baseball to play this year. It's a, it's a different looking schedule. But hey, baseball is baseball. Yeah. And, and last year, just so many guys that really had phenomenal seasons, at least in 15 games, or maybe even a little bit less. But a lot of those guys are coming back that weren't really expected to come back because of how the season ended and everything like that. Um, and just the MLB draft being cut short certain rounds and so many different factors allowing players to come back, not losing eligibility and everything like that. Um, so this, this team now with, with a different schedule is really looking promising to compete in this conference. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk a little bit more about this later. Uh, but the fact that this is a big 10 only schedule going to be absolutely huge. When you look at the schedule, no, no Bryant's of the world, no Delaware's, no James Madison's, uh, no midweek non-conference opposition, even during big 10 play, like we usually have. So, Hopping right into the thick of things, really, um, no ramp up whatsoever. No, uh, not necessarily easy games because Maryland has had a history of playing some tough non-conference schedules, but uh, no opportunity to learn about your team before heading into conference play. It is straight into the Big Ten. Straight in four games against Michigan State, and it's in South Carolina too. So 
it's there's just so many different things that went into this schedule and timing and conference only but just I don't, I don't understand really the conference only part of it and then having them tr- two teams travel to a different place when yeah, you're trying to limit the travel it, none of it really makes any sense but that's how the world is now there's so many moving parts to this season and you know we can say or i can say sure as we're sitting here matt that things are going to change there's going to be a wrinkle here somewhere in the schedule because uh, that's just the way the world is working now hopefully as the season progresses the world gets a, a little bit better as well and a little bit safer place um but we don't know and i think that it's been a theme you know matt you and i have covered multiple sports here and for multiple years and especially this year the theme is that not this season isn't just going to be about how good each baseball team is the season is going to be about how well each team adapts and you might not be the most skilled team but if you can adapt to the world situation right now better than your opponent you're going to win a whole lot of baseball games and we've seen that in other sports too like you mentioned i mean just looking here in maryland maryland men's basketball team hasn't had any of their games canceled because of their own COVID issues. It's always been their opponents. So they've been status quo the whole year and it's put them in a pretty good spot to make the NCAA tournament. It's going to be similar with baseball. Like you mentioned, just if they're able to get at least all their games in that it's not their fault that they're canceled and it's, or it's not their COVID issues in their program that the games are postponed or canceled, they're going to have a much easier time than teams that suffer from these, these shutdowns and everything like that. And, that's, I mean, they, they mentioned it a lot. Head coach Rob Bond mentioned a lot in the preseason media availability, just the ability to adapt and kind of have that responsibility of staying out of trouble and really focusing on the season more than anything. Yeah, continuity going to be so key, but especially you're, you're not going to want to have to, uh, have to play games on the backside because you know, if you reflect on this schedule, the back end of this schedule is absolutely brutal for Maryland. The last five series are Minnesota at Illinois versus Purdue at Michigan versus Indiana. Those are five real contenders and ending with at Michigan and versus Indiana, who might well be the best two teams in the Big Ten right now with Maryland right up there with them, I think. That is, that is really tough to navigate already. And then if you're trying to pack on more games uh, at the end of it uh, for rescheduled games for COVID reasons or any other reason for that matter, that's going to be awfully tough. Yeah. And another thing that's just different about the schedule in general is because there's no midweek games, all of these weekend series are either going to be three or four games just to get a lot more games in. And when you talk about pitching, I think having a four game series for a lot of the weekends is, is tough that's tough to navigate, especially in college. And we see it even in major league baseball, just arms get overused quickly. Uh, and it's, it's especially different now with some of the four game series aren't even against the same team where they're doing different pods and uh, Maryland's hosting one with Northwestern and Michigan. They're going to Ohio state for a pod with Iowa and the Buckeyes uh, and then they go to Iowa for one with the Hawkeyes and Northwestern. Well, they'll play four games within the weekend, but it'll be against two. It'll be two games against two different teams. And I think that might be even weirder, almost in terms of how you attack a team, how you study film, how you analyze the game. It's just so different having that and playing two teams twice within four days is 
just not how baseball usually is. So the ability to adapt is really unlike any other this year. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that is not how baseball usually is this year that, that we got to do this year, but it's, it's what was decided could work the best to make sure that we get a full season. And that, that pod is going to be really interesting. You mentioned a couple of them, the one against Northwestern and Michigan, which is in College Park in early April, April 2nd to April 5th, and all those games are going to be here on, here on the Maryland Baseball Network. And that's just going to be so interesting because when you talk about pitching, and you talked about it earlier, Matt, what Northwestern does against Maryland's Friday night pitching is going to impact how Michigan plays Maryland on Sunday. If, if Sean Burke gets knocked out early on in that game and Maryland has to reach deep into the bullpen, that's going to impact the next opponent. And, you know, if you're a major league baseball fan and not necessarily a college baseball fan, you might be thinking, Hey, you know, that happens all the time. You get game three of, of a major league baseball series impacting game one of the next one that's back to back. That's not the way that college baseball is used to operating with those weekend series against the same teams. And then usually the midweek against, against the non-conference opposition. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of adapting for Rob Bonas. I think that that pod situation that you mentioned with three teams kind of round robbing it, round robbing uh, it, if you will, in, in one specific location and try to once again, limit travel as much as possible is going to be interesting. And it is going to be, especially the first one, I think uh, will be a real indication of, what the season's going to look like. And so of these 44 games, we are at least not traveling with the ball, with the ball club right now. Um, hopefully towards the end of the year, things will open up a little bit more and that will allow us to, but we may, we might be able to get this thing going virtually. We don't really know what any of this is going to look like right now, but at least all the home games will bring coverage to you at least through the broadcast, which we're very excited for. Yeah, we should say to the fans, we know we want to travel as much as I'm sure you want to be able to hear us bring games to you from across the Big Ten, from across the country. It breaks our hearts that we are not able to do that uh, as, as we had planned to, as we had hoped to. Um, so we'll ask for, for patience, for optimism, as we, as we hope to get as many games to you as possible. But we are going to bring to you every single home Maryland baseball game live from Bob Turtlesmith Stadium. Uh, that one, that one we can definitely tell you without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> so now we'll get into a little bit of this familiar looking team in a way that also has some promising freshmen. Um, another, another good class brought in by Rob Vaughn. He's been doing a great job as, as a recruiter and a team that I mentioned before that's bringing back a lot of its star studded talent. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Uh, I think it all starts and ends with Maxwell Costas. He had a fantastic season last year and I think would have been uh, right towards the top of the, the nationwide conversation if we had been able to play a full season last year. 432, four home runs, 15 RBIs in just 15 games is a, a ridiculous number, uh, quite frankly. His OPS was 1.370. It was absolutely bonkers uh, the way that Maxwell Costas was hitting the ball. And don't laugh, Matt. Bonkers is a good way to describe it. Uh, he was ripping the cover off the ball. Yes, he and, was. And uh, yeah, I, he, he, it'll be really interesting to see because he came off a really good summer as well. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see with, with summer baseball so heavily impacted uh, by the COVID-19 pandemic, of course, how Costas will be able to keep that going. And then Randy Bednar, I think, is a name that we have to put right up there with Costas. Doesn't necessarily have to pop the first baseman does, but he had 387. He had 16 RBIs 
and he had five stolen bases, which is going to be really key for Maryland as well this year. So I think that the, the one-two punch of Costas and Bednar, or flip it the other way around, however you look at it in the lineup, uh, that's going to be that's going to be the headline for Maryland, offensively at least. Yeah, and even if you add in just guys that were freshmen last year, well, before I even mentioned that, and Bubba Aline in center field who had six hits in, in a game that I was calling against Bryant. He went six for six in that game that tied – the program record for most hits in a game, and he just attacks the first pitch faster than anybody I've ever seen, um, almost like Jeff McNeil of the New York Mets, similar in, in that way. But I think Aline's going to provide another big bat at the top of the order, not a big bat, but a, a consistent bat at the top of the order to get on base. And then, we, I mean, last year it was really Aline, Bednar, and then Costas was three, uh, and sometimes four with Tucker Flint batting third sometimes, but. We'll see how the top of the order looks, but it, it will feature some sort of rotation of those three, we yeah, that, would like to assume, at, at least. That top three, Matt, is going to be really interesting because I think that Aline benefits so much from the protection that Bednar and Costas given behind him in the, in the lineup, knowing that, hey, we're going to have to throw a pitch to Aline here that, that he can hit because we don't want to leave him on the base path, certainly with his excellent speed of the six stolen bases last year for Bednar and Costas and everyone else. Uh, to go up to the plate with, with Aline on base. So I think he really benefits from that. And like you mentioned, he's such a good contact hitter. He's so aggressive uh, knowing that he's going to get a pitch to hit. I think that that's a really interesting part of lineup construction uh, for Rob Vaughn that, that has really worked out for his center fielder. And mentioning that those freshmen last year that are now sophomores, I mean, Bobby Zamarzlak playing or batting as a designated hitter most of the time was phenomenal. Um, Troy, Schreff Troy Schreffler was great. You had Matt Orlando, Tucker Flint, just so many guys contributing um, early on in their freshman year. And now they're coming just a little bit older, but still not really acclimated to a full baseball season in college, at least. So I'm interested to see how they kind of transition into this year. Yeah, sorry about that, Matt. I am really interested to see how Bobby's Mars Black does this year. He really impressed me. Uh, especially during batting practice last year. The amount of power that this kid possesses is astronomical. Uh, and we saw it in bits and pieces, I think, during gameplay last year. He kind of grew into the season, I thought. And it was unfortunate that his, his growth kind of got cut short when games stopped. But I think he is somebody who has the potential to take a massive, massive step forward. Uh, he had that grand slam earlier last season. Uh, and, and when he gets into a baseball, it can travel as far as anyone on this Maryland team. And just kind of over looking over the infield now, I mean, Justin Vogt, at least behind the dish, struggled last year at, at the plate hitting the ball. But he has always been kind of just a guy that is, is solid and they know what to expect from him. He didn't quite get going in the early season last year and it got shut down. But you have to expect him to kind of bounce back from that, at least offensively, because they, they always know what they're getting from him defensively behind the dish. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to, be, to be quite honest, Matt, I think that anything that Justin Vogt can produce offensively is bonus for Rob Vaughn and for Maryland, because he is in there, because he is a phenomenal defensive catcher, because he knows how to manage a pitching staff, and especially this year, how, how different everything will be. It's going to be so crucial that Maryland has a veteran like Vogt now into his senior year behind the, behind the dish uh, to, to manage this year and to manage this relatively uh, new and inexperienced pitching staff and bullpen. So 
He only hit 190 last year. You'd like to see some better numbers than that from your catcher. He looked like he was starting to figure it out a little bit when the season stopped, which is kind of a, a familiar theme across not only Maryland, but across college baseball as everyone was kind of growing into the season. Uh, but but to be quite frank, Justin Vogt's not out there to hit the ball. He's out there and in the lineup just about every day because he's a fantastic defensive catcher. And Rob Vaughn knows that his pitching staff is in really good hands with, with Justin Vogt catching him. And keep if, if you take it around the infield now, I mean, you, you mentioned Costas hit first. He'll be there pretty much every day. I don't see him ever coming out of the lineup. He'll either be playing first or DHing. Second base is probably the biggest question mark about who's going to get the most time. We saw Austin Chavis get some time there last year. Tommy Gardner played third last year, but he has played second in the past. He's coming off injury. He was supposed to return last season before it got shut down, but only played in six games and battled some injury. And then Aaron Perez, who was a freshman last year as well, had a pretty good glove in the early going. So I think that's probably the biggest spot on the infield where we don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's a really intriguing battle, I think. I think it's one that will likely continue and rotate throughout at least the early part of this season. Aaron Perez was an interesting guy to me last year because he looked really, really solid with the glove. Uh, didn't hit the ball all that well last year. Didn't get too many chances, only 11 at-bats. Uh, still looking for his first college hit. Uh, but I think that the, the hitting kind of catches up to you over the course of your college career. It takes a little bit longer to adjust to college hitting than um, maybe to college fielding. And he looked so competent with the glove at second base really, really comfortable in that position. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of opportunities Rob Vaughn uh, gives Aaron Perez just into his sophomore season with, you mentioned, a couple of really experienced guys battling it out for him at second base. Uh, but that's going to be an interesting one, I think. Uh, one to definitely keep an eye on and one that we will certainly be talking about throughout the season. And third base as well. I mean, Matt, Matt Orlando had time there, especially when Gardner went down. So we could see Chavis play second and Gardner play third. Um, just it, it's those are probably the two spots uh, on the infield that are probably the most questionable aside from we know votes going to be the catcher we know cost is fighting first and we didn't get the shortstop yet but we know it's going to be Benjamin Cowles as well yeah third base I think is a position where Rob Vaughn's really going to benefit from the versatility that a lot of his guys give him especially Tommy Gardner um, and Austin Chavis, for that matter, being able to play multiple positions is going to be really, really crucial, especially in double headers this year, where you might be needing to shake things up a little bit. Uh, so, you know, we're, we can't really say, especially in, in the second and third base positions, hey, this is going to be the guy, the way that it will be likely for Justin Vogt and Maxwell Costas. Uh, but, but I don't think it's for a lack of options for Rob Vaughn. Yeah, without question. I mean, it seems like this, this roster is as deep as I've seen it in, in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, just based on how many players returned that that maybe weren't expected to, and also just how many players are brought in that are such talented players. Um, they bring in Matt Shaw to play shortstop right behind Cowles. We'll see if Shaw earns the spot. We don't know, but he was the number three shortstop in the class. So just a lot of talent from these young guys that, that Vaughn's brought in, and I'm very excited to see how they, they acclimate themselves into this questionable season or truncated season that's so different than what a normal college baseball season is and I think that's probably the the, the biggest storyline for them is how they are welcomed into a college baseball season that looks like this yeah and it, it's important to say especially when we talk about shortstop and Ben Cowles that what we say now is going to look drastically different at the end of the season I mean 
think about what we were talking about coming into the 2020 season was who's going to replace A.J. Lee at shortstop. That was a glaring hole uh, for this Maryland team. And then, then Cowell stepped up and started playing fantastic baseball. He had three home runs, and all of them seemed like they were some of the longest home runs hit that year over the batter's eye in center field, that tall batter's eye once or twice. Uh, he, was, he was excellent. He was fantastic, and he, he quieted the question really early on, I think. So, you know, when we talk about, oh, this uncertainty here, this uncertainty there, that it's not necessarily going to be a question mark all year because sometimes you see a guy step up and just win the spot outright. Yeah, and you mentioned Cowles like that last year. I mean, those home runs just – they, they were almost as far as Costas's home runs would go into the, the practice bubble in left field, but Cowles would just get into some. He only had three home runs in 50-some-odd games for his freshman year and then ties that with three home runs in 15 games his sophomore year. So we'll see if he continues the, the power trip in, in his junior year now. Yeah, I think that if there's one guy, I think, who can take an even bigger step from 2020 to 2021, I think Ben Cowles is certainly slated to do that. He – as you mentioned, had that huge jump. Uh, he had that big jump in playing time as well, um, moving from second base to shortstop, where I think he might have looked a little bit more comfortable. Obviously, he wasn't overtaking A.J. Lee uh, as, a, as a shortstop in 2019. But in 2021, I think it's his spot to lose in terms of the competition with, with the new freshman, Matt Shaw. Uh, and I think that costs as well, at least for the beginning part of the season, be, be the guy at short. And then moving into the outfield, I mean – the talent is a lot of it, – it's, that's where a lot of their returning talent comes from as well. You look at Tucker Flint, Troy Schreffler, Balba Adeline, Randy Bednar, just to name a few. I mean, those guys all started games last year, especially Bednar and Adeline, and just you expect them to continue that. And, and we mentioned them earlier in the podcast, just be at the top of the order and provide both offense and defense. And then even throwing Bobby Zamarzlak out there and having his glove out there, there's just so many options and it, it's going to be difficult for some of the guys probably who won't see that much time on the field because they have to play behind Bednar, but they're so capable of also getting on the field. So we'll, we'll see how, how Rob Vaughn manages this, these rotations and everything. And I think it'll also come in handy. Like you mentioned, Ben, in the four game series each weekend, just if a guy needs a rest, you know, his legs are tired, whatever. There's so many different options to throw out there in the outfield. Yeah, the outfield is almost an embarrassment of riches at this point for, for Rob Vaughn. I think we can talk about Bubba Aline and Randy Bednar as your everyday center and right fielder. And then at left field, you got to choose between Tucker Flint and Troy Schreffler. There really isn't a bad option there. Then how Bobby Smars lack factors into that, uh, w whether he's going to play corner outfield spot or lock in as that DH. Uh, a lot of opportunities for Rob Vaughn. And, and like we've been talking about, somebody's going to need to take a day or two at some point in time. Uh, injuries are going to happen as well longer term. We obviously hope they don't for anybody, but they do. It's, an, it's a part of baseball. It's a part of sports. And knowing that uh, Rob Vaughn has the depth this year that he maybe didn't have in previous years uh, certainly has to make him sleep a little bit better at night. Without question. And the pitching staff as well. I mean, the jump that, that Sean Burke has made now is tremendous. And we'll welcome him onto the show in a little bit, but Sean Burke now in his redshirt sophomore year, six six, above two hundred and forty pounds now, is just phenomenal. And he had surgery in his freshman year, had to redshirt that. Came back last season, made five made five starts or four starts rather, was just so so solid in those. And now he earned himself 
to be the opening day starter for the 2021 season. So I think when you're talking about this rotation, it starts with him, but even looking after that, it's, it's like, it's almost like the outfield. It's just a lot of riches on this team. This team is very deep. Yeah. Uh, Saturday is going to be an interesting game. We think it's going to be Sean Fisher and Connor Stain as the two games on Saturday, which isn't a bad two, three option, but talking about Sean Burke, uh, the, the country's starting to be put on notice about Sean Burke. He was the perfect game preseason big 10 pitcher of the year. Uh, to start off this year, and he was really starting to hit his stride. We have said this a couple of times now, but during that shutdown, his last game before the shutdown was against Bryant. He went six innings, had two earned runs, five hits, 11 strikeouts. That was on March the 8th. The next week was uh, pure chaos, I suppose. Uh, but that, that Friday night starter position, I don't think it was ever really as locked down in 2020. It was Sean Fisher for the majority of that time, but you know, in 2019 and in the couple of years before, Maryland could throw on Hunter Parsons and know exactly what they were getting on a Friday night. It didn't really ever seem that way. Uh, last year, Fisher is a, a really quality starter, and he's going to be the number two guy this year for Maryland. I expect him to have a great season. But just in terms of the longevity that Hunter Parsons gives you, the, the longevity that you expect a Friday night starter in college baseball to give you, wasn't really there last year. Do expect it to be this year with Sean Burke. Yeah, and you talk about a guy like Hunter Parsons, who's now in the Mets organization, and Burke, drafted out of high school, has the potential to be that good, if not better, to get be a, a highly drafted player, um, especially with the honors of being named one of the outlet's Big Ten Pitcher of the Year. You mentioned the nation is now realizing, I mean, even if they did, they probably did realize before, but now more so than ever, uh, just – stature on the mound of 6'6", over 240 pounds, throwing the ball 98 miles per hour. Uh, and Rob Vaughn said he's now developed two off-speed pitches that he's really comfortable with, whereas last year he kind of had one just to throw in uh, and kind of just throw that in with, with two strikes or, or maybe to just get the, the batter to lay off the fastball almost. But um, – we're expecting him to have a really, really, really good year. And now we're really happy to welcome him onto the show. So, Sean, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. So, Sean, we saw athletes all around sports getting really creative during lockdown, especially in that early stage of lockdown, trying to stay in shape, trying to stay game ready. So what did you do to train during lockdown to make sure that you were ready for this season? Um, I was actually pretty fortunate to um, be in a situation where I had a good friend of mine back home um, in Massachusetts that had basically a full gym um, down in his basement. So I was able to go there um, pretty much whenever I wanted to for the first you know month or so of lockdown. Um, and then once uh, the gym I usually train at at home, Cressy Sports Performance, opened back up uh, around in June, I want to say. Um, I was able to start training there for the remainder of the summer. Um, but, I mean, yeah, from a strength training perspective, I was able to do that. Um, and then just having, you know, some buddies back home that I was able to throw with, um, you know, work on some different stuff with, that was, you know, primarily where I worked on, on the baseball skill. And Coach Vaughn has mentioned several times now in the media availabilities, um, your fastball is now touching 98 miles per hour, and you've added some off-speed pitches as well that you're now very comfortable with. How did you work on that this offseason and develop that? And also, how important in your mind is it to be kind of versatile in your repertoire on the mound? Um, so I guess starting with the off-speed stuff, um, me and Moose had a meeting 
kind of sat down after the season was over about, you know, a week or two after the season and just talked about strengths, weaknesses, what we needed to work on going forward, just to, you know, kind of keep progressing. Um, and that was, you know, one thing we highlighted was improving the curveball and then adding, you know, either a cutter or a slider, something that was going to be a little bit harder, that was going to be a lateral pitch for me. Um, and then from there, just discovering and discussing, you know, what was going to be the best fit for grip-wise. Um, you know, I ended up changing my curveball grip from last year to this year, which just gave the pitch some more depth. Um, and then adding that slider, that was pretty much a pitch I threw all quarantine and all lockdown, just working on that with my, my buddies, my dad in the backyard, um, taking, you know, slow-mo videos of it on my iPhone and um, coloring different balls in to see the spin on the ball a little bit easier. So I guess that was kind of the early stages of it. And, you know, and then obviously once I go back to school, I was able to use, you know, the technology again and work a little bit better with that uh, and get it to where it is now. Um, and as far as, you know, the increase in velocity, I think that just comes from, you know, having nothing really to do but focus on trying to, you know, perfect my delivery and move better. Um, you know, I think you see that with a lot of guys around the country where, you know, everybody's throwing harder this year because they had, you know, eight, nine months just to, you know, work on their delivery and have no competition. So it was a big period of development. Um, and I guess, you know, for me personally, having that, you know, added velocity, the off-speed pitches being better than they were last year and having, you know, more I can go to, um, really just gives me more confidence out there where I'm not stuck between, you know, just a fastball curveball. Now I have, you know, the change up in the slider, which I'm both, you know, as confident in as I am in any of my pitches. So I guess just confidence is the best, best thing that that brings. Yeah, and Sean, you made four starts last year. All of them went at least five innings. How much do you pride yourself on that longevity? And is there any one specific part of your game that you can really attribute that to? Um, I think that's a big thing, you know, for every pitcher. Um, I think that even at times last year, I could have done a little bit better of a job in, in keeping the pitch count down and trying to go deeper into games. I think that's definitely one thing, you know, we've talked about not wasting pitches, you know, putting guys away quicker. Um, so I can go, you know, start to go six, seven, eight, regularly um, every week. And I think that now, you know, like we mentioned, having the other pitches to go to uh, just makes it a little bit easier for, you know, me to have different options to, to go to it, to put away a hitter. Um, it gives them a little bit more to think about. So, you know, that's something I, I take pride in. I look to build on this, this spring. And this season now being just a big 10 only schedule. So no non-conference games before heading right into the thick of things. Is your preparation for this season now any different or does it kind of remain the same no matter who you're facing the first game? Uh, I'd say it pretty much remains, you know, very similar, at least if not the same. Um, only thing different is you had a little bit more time in the preseason to kind of build up to where I'm at now. You know, normally I'll get, you know, three or so preseason starts um, in before non-conference play starts to start the season. So um, I guess the only difference in that is I'm built up more where, you know, week one this Friday, I'll be able to go a normal start length, whereas before I'd kind of have a pitch cap limit. Um, so I guess that's really the only difference in going into week one. Um, as far as, you know, preparing for whoever we're playing, that's that stays the same pretty much every week, just knowing that, you know, we go about our business if we're playing, you know, the worst team in Division One baseball or Vanderbilt, you know, that kind of stays the same every single every single week. And uh, first of all, congratulations on being named that Friday night starter, that opening day starter. Can you tell the story of how you found out that you're going to start the first game of the year? And what's your approach going into your first start in really almost a full year? Mm -hmm. um, I guess kind of, you know, throughout the fall, um, 
you know, Moose has always talked about and Vaughn had always talked about um, kind of getting me into that spot and um, just getting comfortable and continuing to develop and, you know, earning that spot. Um, and I guess this spring after we kind of got back, we talked to Coach Vaughn, talked to Moose about, you know, where I was going to be. And that was kind of the plan going in from the start of the spring. Um, but to have it official, you know, this week's a good feeling. And uh, going into it, it's just the same as it was last year. Um, you know, every game is important no matter what day is it on. So I think getting a win is, is always going to be the main focus each week. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. No problem. Thank you. And we appreciate Sean taking the time. Matt, it is going to be a crazy season. It's going to be an unusual season. But it's going to be a baseball season, and there's nothing really better than that. No, there's nothing better than baseball. I've been watching these spring training games in the MLB for the last couple of days, just seeing the sun in Florida with the balls being thrown, being hit, fielders everywhere. It's, it, there's just nothing like the art of the game for me. And I just can't wait for the nice warm weather. Finally, a season of – it's been almost a year. So I'm, I'm really just happy to get back into the booth and bring some of these, this Terps baseball action to, our, to the fans. As a Floridian, I appreciate you shouting out the Grapefruit League and not the Cactus League. <laughs> no. I recognize that over there. It's all about the Grapefruit League. Like Matt said, though, we are so, so excited to start bringing to you Terps baseball. As we said earlier, we will not be traveling with the team at least to start off this season due to the pandemic we will be covering every game from home and we will be uh, letting you know on our social media page what the situation is for each road series whether or not we will be able to bring that to you remotely so until then we will see you next time don't forget to catch us as always at the maryland baseball network for every maryland home game this season and possibly select away games too who knows but until then from matt levine my name is ben curtis saying so long we'll see you next time